Okay, people, tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., Santa's coming to town. Santa! Oh, my God! Would you please tell him that instead of presents this year, I just want my family back. Rudolph, with your nose so bright, won't you guide my sleigh tonight? It must be magic. I must find some way to keep Christmas from coming. Nobody's walking out on this fun, old-fashioned family Christmas. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? True, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Seeing isn't believing. Believing is seeing. The best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. Welcome back to another episode of Tis the Podcast, the podcast that's determined to keep the Christmas spirit alive 366 days per year. A job which is getting easier now that it's March officially. Yes. I'm Anthony. I'm Julia. And I'm Tom. What's going on, guys? Not too much here. Just based on this this week where I've been, the people I've been around, I'm honestly anticipating a um, some form of quarantine for the next few weeks. Oh, Where have you why been? That? I feel very confident I have come in contact with the coronavirus oh. in San Francisco at an event. So we'll see. You see people like coughing and stuff. That's the thing. It doesn't matter because like for yeah, you're vi- you're days, before yeah, you're sick. But I'm mm. around a lot of people from corona infested places. Right. Well, the whole being contagious before you show symptoms isn't unique to coronavirus. It just makes no, it, it trickier. Not. It's just the amount of time that you're, that's somewhat unique. Most things don't have a uh, Tom, 28-day window. At least you can take comfort in knowing that only 2% of those who contract it die. If you believe China's numbers. <laughs> well, were, if, you, if, you, if you believe our numbers... This whole thing's going away in April. Oh my gosh, did he say that? Yes. He said the warm weather will kill it, and by April, it'll be gone. Okay, the temperature of the air doesn't kill viruses. It's that people aren't in contained spaces. He also said today, okay, sorry, as, the, I didn't realize that. <laughs> as the stocks continued to spiral downward, he said there's no reason because of the coronavirus uh, there's no reason to fear the coronavirus. Everything is under control, and the stock market is looking good again. Like, and I look, and it's down 800 points for the day. <laughs> well, it didn't help that Bob Iger announced he was no longer CEO of Disney today. Did, did they did they give a Disney reason stock. for why he stepped down? Did they give a reason? He's pretty old. He's done a lot. It's probably just time. The new guy they picked out, jerky jerk face. Is he really? Already stories coming out about how he's abusive to staff and coworkers and very controlling. So, Are people That's not going to learn that you should not put those kind of men in power? No. I don't no, no, feel no. it's a card concept. The greater picture is people have not learned yet that there are such a thing as leadership people and then people that should never hold a leadership position. Yes, exactly. people who should not hold leadership positions continue to get leadership positions. Right. And I don't um, understand it. Speaking of Disney, I meant to bring this up last week. I'm quite excited. Rick Moranis is coming back for the new Honey, I Shrunk the Kids movie. I'm skeptical. Oh, I haven't heard any of this. Yeah, for Disney Plus, he signed up to reprise the role in the new Honey, I Shrunk the Kids movie. In a movie, not a series. Okay. When they blew up the baby, I wouldn't even watch it. (gasps) 
I loved blowing up the baby, and I, I loved when we shrunk ourselves. Honey, we shrunk couldn't ourselves. Couldn't do it either. I I'm purist. I loved that one. Oh my gosh, the boy in the original I one, like the one. teenage boy, was like the hottest guy on the planet when I watched Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. And now I watch it, and I'm like, oh. Uh, the babysitter in <laughs> the second one in Honey, I Blew Up the Kid was <laughs> cutie McCuffer. I go back and I look at those kids and I was like, wow, I was so young. No, it's Honey, I Blew Up the Kid, isn't it? No, it blew up the baby. Honey, I Blew Up the Baby, I thought. Let's check Google. Maybe not. Honey, I Blew Up the Mom. I Blew Up. It's Honey, I Blew Up the Kid. Oh, well, that doesn't have near as good of a ring as Blew Up the Baby. Who's naming (laughs) these things? Disney rookies. In other Disney move, Hocus Pocus is getting an official board game, which is exciting. That is it exciting. Is. I love a board I game. I wish that we could all play together. Uh, I wish so too. That would be fun. I guess they're releasing it because they're doing the sequel and everything. So, yep. hmm. of course they also, are. Also, I found a book for you guys to read to Jude and Ellie. Oh yeah, this is a yes. this is a real thing. I saw Entertainment Weekly post it. It's to get your kids started young. The Office, a day at Dunder Mifflin Elementary School. Oh my goodness, that's amazing. Yeah, Definitely need that. Definitely need that. That's funny. Very funny. Yes. I love it. Yes, it is. Speaking of funny. school too. Speaking of funny, tonight we are covering. Our segues are getting bad, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> maybe it's not the segues getting bad maybe some movies getting worse, and worse. So tonight of coronavirus tonight we are covering the 2019 theatrical film last christmas and before we get into anything summaries or cast or histories I just want to say, and this is not indicative of the film's quality in any way, but if you know nothing about this film and you have an intention of seeing it, pause this episode, <laughs> go watch it, and come back and listen to this episode. Because I won't say, I'll say this is one you should go in blind. <laughs> I'm, not one, I'm not prone to putting in a spoiler warning at the beginning of these shows, but... But this one needs it. This one needs it. So if you haven't seen it and you plan to, go in blind and then come back and finish this episode. So, last Christmas... I gave you my heart. <laughs> okay, so the synopsis for this film. Nothing seems to go right for young Kate, a frustrated Londoner who works as an elf in a year-round Christmas shop. But things soon take a turn for the better when she meets Tom, a handsome... Yeah, that's the only time you hear Tom being described as handsome. I like my mom. <laughs> when she meets Tom, a handsome charmer who seems too good to be true. As the city transforms into the most wonderful time of the year, Tom and Kate's growing attraction turns into the best gift of all, a yuletide romance. It's not the best synopsis, but that's what Google's giving us. So this film was directed by Paul Feig, who you'll know, he's done Bridesmaids, Heat, Spy. He did the Ghostbusters reboot. He created Freaks and Geeks. 
He's directed a lot of episodes of The Office, Arrested Development, Weeds, Nurse Jackie. He's also directed episodes of Mad Men, 30 Rock, and Parks and Rec. So he has quite a lot of well-known stuff under his belt. This screenplay was written by Emma Thompson, who we'll get to in a bit with the acting. But it was co-written by Byrony Kimmings, who does not have a lot to their name. Small cast, at least the ones worth mentioning. Starring as our heroine, Kate, is Amelia Clark, who is most famous for playing Daenerys on Game of Thrones on HBO. But she was also in Solo, A Star Wars Story. She was in Breakfast at Tiffany's on Broadway. She was in Terminator Genesis. She was in Me Before You. Do you have a famous, do you have a favorite Amelia Clark guys? Daenerys no. Targaryen. Yep, me too. I think that's the only acceptable answer. I don't know if it's acceptable too. That one, that one passes, Julia. Who? Yeah, I haven't seen it, so. Which one? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It also must be acceptable. It's, if only somebody could give you their HBO login so you could watch Game of Thrones. No, that's not legal. I'm sorry. That won't happen. Wink, wink. Yeah, I, it, it's, it's not legal. I don't know who's been watching The Outsider, I'm like. Not me. That's a joke, right? I really haven't. What's The Outsider? It's that Stephen King. Like, I know what The Outsider is. I have not watched anything on your HBO Go account. I mean, except for whatever it was we had to watch. Oh, wait. Seriously? Yeah, seriously. Do what? Does anyone else have it? Maybe my sister. I have to check with her. (laughs) 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 This just made my day. Totally with the coronavirus. <laughs> if you can find a way to leave this, then it'd be really worth it. I am totally going to leave that. <laughs> Although we could get into some, like, if anybody from HBO ever found out, you could get in trouble. I will take that risk because I will okay. just be very happy that HBO, <laughs> that we're big enough that HBO is listening to us. <laughs> Playing Kate's love interest on Webster is Henry Golding, who is m- most famous for playing Nick Young in Crazy Rich Asians, mm-hmm. as well as Sean Townsend in A Simple Favor. And he was a presenter on BBC's The Travel Show since 2014. I haven't seen anything else he's been in. I keep meaning to see Crazy Rich Asians because it's been got amazing reviews, but I haven't seen it yet. Mm-hmm. Because you're racist. Have you seen a Tom? Tell us about how he was in that movie. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Wow, three white people. None of us have seen Crazy Witch Asians. And we're all movie movie people. Probably the most prolific actress in this film. Emma Thompson played definitely the most prolific actress in this film is Emma Thompson, who plays Petra, Kate's mother. And she's been in way too much to name. So I'm just going to read off the stuff that's on top of her page on Wikipedia. She was in Howard's End, Much Ado About Nothing, 
Harry Potter, Saving Mr. Banks, Wit, Love Actually. We've covered her before. I forgot about mm. that. Angels in America, Nanny McPhee, Stranger Than Fiction, Last Chance Harvey, Men in Black 3, and Men in Black International. Bra- she did a voice in Brave. She did the voice of Mrs. Potts in the Beauty and the Beast remake. Uh, Late Night and the BBC HBO series Years and Years. Sense and Sensibility. Tons and tons and tons and stuff. What's your favorite Emma Thompson, guys? Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. <gasps> really? Let's do about nothing's my favorite because it's the first thing I ever saw her in and it's where I fell in love with Emma Thompson. I'm going to go love actually. Ooh, more than, three different more than choices. She played, more than what she played. It's Professor nostalgia. Trelawney in the worst Harry Potter movie of them all, yes. Shut your filthy was- mouth. Uh, she scared me in that movie when she goes into the real like prophecy thing and Tark starts talking in that like raspy voice. No more. <laughs> <laughs> then she's like, I'm okay. sorry, dear. <laughs> <laughs> and then yeah, so she was in. She was actually in. How many was she in? Harry Potter's. She was Four? in five Three? two because Umbridge sacks her. Yeah, mm-hmm. she was fun. Yeah, and she probably had a cameo in the last one, too. All of them did. Three. She's been in three of them. <laughs> and the only other character worth mentioning in this film, the only other actress worth mentioning, is Michelle Yeoh, who plays Huang King Shin, a.k.a. Santa. Santa. And uh, <laughs> she's been in a bunch of stuff too including crazy rich asians she was in tomorrow never dies crouching tiger hidden dragon police story three yes madam memoirs of geisha reign of assassins crouching tiger hidden dragon sort of destiny star trek discovery the lady so she's been in a few things guardians of the galaxy too who was she she was very end she was one of the um when Yandu is his the little Yandu ceremony, she's oh, one is of she the, one of the Ravagers? Yes, Ravagers. I want to say Junkers, but I knew that wasn't right. No, oh, that's cool. That's I didn't realize that. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that's she awesome. is fierce. Uh, I speaking of which, love her. Speaking of Guardians of the Galaxy too, did you hear Disney Plus is contemplating a Guardians of the Galaxy show, but with um, Sylvester Stallone's team he had there, oh, like doing a miniseries. I'd watch it. What's your favorite Michelle Yeoh, Julia, since she's fierce and you love her? Probably Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, because it's one of those movies that I'd never seen anything like it before. And when I saw it, it was like an experience. And she's- I like that movie. She's just magical and beautiful and I love her. My favorite is Tomorrow Never Dies, because I'm gonna say it, Pierce Brosnan's my favorite James Bond. Really? I don't like James Bond. Not that I'm a not that I'm a big yeah, I'm not a big James Bond fan either. I honestly really? can't stand the Daniel Craig movies. <gasps> I have no interest in the new one coming out. And uh Sean like Sean Connery was hit or miss for me, but like I know people are obsessed with it, but James Bond and like Mission Impossible, I just can't stand those movies. Who even are you? But Daniel Craig's of, my favorite. <laughs> he's a lot of people's favorites. Mm-hmm. 
But Daniel Craig of, and then Roger Moore and then Pierce Brosnan and then Sean Connery. Sean Connery and then doesn't Timothy make the list? Dalton is like the last one. He's lower on my list. He was all right. Sean Connery, sexy. Yeah. Timothy Dalton's the worst, which I'm hoping everybody would agree with, but probably not everybody would. So that's pretty much our cast. That is our cast. The only cast worth cast. mentioning. So let's do our histories. And I'll go first since I think we. I probably have the longest history. I saw this in theaters last November when it came out with Sarah. Wait, might one say last Christmas? Boo! <laughs> Funny guy. Funny guy, right here. Um, I saw this in theaters in November with Sarah. I was excited to see this. The trailers looked good. I liked the cast. Walking out of it. I was unsure of how I felt. I think I was <laughs> unsure when you guys were like, how was it? And I was like, I don't know. But <laughs> without getting into details right now, one of our listeners, April Riley, tweeted out to us on Twitter <laughs> about this movie, something that I think sums up how I felt. <laughs> and she said, quote, so you know in the Santa Claus where Tim Allen goes, that's the North Pole because it's a literal pole? That's how I feel about this movie. <laughs> and that pretty much sums up my feelings and how I feel about this movie, especially when we get to the end and you realize what this whole movie was building up to, which we'll get to. But uh, Building up is a bit of a stretch. It felt very <laughs> haphazard and thrown together at the last minute. Tom, what's your history with this movie? I watched this piece of crap last week. So angry. Julia, I'm out. With this movie. <laughs> I watched this one yesterday, although I wanted to see it when I saw the previews. I was very excited about it, and I would have seen it in theaters, but, you know, December's crazy, and I didn't. <laughs> so I watched it yesterday for the first time. What's your overall thoughts, Julia? Because I think you could tell what me and Tom think about it. <laughs> I really liked this movie, but I will say... The spoiler alert, I had not watched it until I saw Tom's comment in the middle of the night. And it was like, dude, the ending, what the heck? And I was like, <laughs> shoot. And so watching this movie would put me in like the totally wrong frame of mind. I'm Although sorry. I think I would have, sus- it's okay. I would have suspected watching the movie what the conclusion was, but like, Starting from the get-go, I was like, okay, I know something's up here, but I don't know what something's up it is. But when we get to the ending and discuss that, I will point, <laughs> I'll point out now that <laughs> given movies you suggested in the past that you've graded quite well on this list that I've had problems with for similar issues. Who you? <laughs> me you or Tom you? You. Me, you. Julia, you. Me, me, me you. That, that I've had similar issues with, which I'll talk about when we get to the ending. Yeah. And that uh, that doesn't surprise me. I thought you would like this one, actually. Yeah. The more I, I thought did. about it. I found it depressing. <laughs> like, just overall, yeah. I found the movie, it wasn't like a feel-good Christmas movie. Like, I... Not even by the end, it wasn't feel-good. I cracked a smile at the end when she's singing at the talent show. <laughs> Okay. But I found it. Okay. So for, let's go through the plot for those who haven't seen it. So Kate works a dead end job as an elf and all your Christmas shop in London. She's very sick. She's a hot mess. 
She's a hot mess. Her life, she keeps getting kicked out of apartments. She has nowhere to live. So she's kind of couch surfing through London, like first her sister, then her friends. She doesn't want to go home because her mother's very overbearing. And she's getting over this illness, right? We don't know until the end what exactly she had, but she had some kind of surgery she's recovering from that Emma Thompson's character, her mom, is afraid she's going to end up killing herself by how much she's, you know, always drinking. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So she's, like you said, a hot mess. She's unlucky. She has really no friends she can rely on. And eventually she runs into this cutie mccute face tom outside of her tom you're a cutie mccute face (laughs) this cutie mccute face tom outside of her shop who's charming and he's funny and he's good looking and she's pretty much almost immediately smitten with him Mm -hmm. but he's very she's in deep smit he's yes (laughs) he's very flaky though and he's one of these, like, he's disconnected from the world. He doesn't have a cell phone or anything. So, like, she can only see him when he pops into her life. When she runs into him around the street or at the shop or whatever. And this movie's about her... Gag. <laughs> falling for him, right? Making out with him. Yeah. And, become, and, and him helping her to become a better person. So he volunteers at this homeless right. shelter. Gets her to volunteer at this homeless shelter. Where nobody knows who he is. Where nobody well, knows. Yeah. And she has aspirations. She's a singer, right? Mm-hmm. Like she's she sang when good, she was young. She sang when she was wrong in a beautiful like, Greek Orthodox church at the beginning of the film. Ukrainian. Right. Absolutely. Ukrainian. Sorry. Very beautiful. Yeah. There. So her family immigrated to that London. That concert would have never happened. No, it didn't sound that like it fit in that facility. Not how things work in Orthodox churches. <laughs> we'll just randomly have weird kids in silly clothes stand up and sing doesn't happen pop song <laughs> so her family immigrated to london and that's kind of where her mom's fear for everything comes in because she's afraid right she never fit in in london and she's afraid people look at them as outsiders so she has this natural fear that she you know pushes onto everything else not related to her immigration mm-hmm. status anyway kate ends up becoming a better person thanks to tom taking better care of herself and volunteering at homeless shelters and everything. And then she goes to visit Tom at his apartment. And this is where we find out the apartment's empty because he's been dead the whole time. And this is where I rolled my eyes because the fact that they decided to like the most literal interpretation of this song Last Christmas, I gave you gave my, you heart, my heart, which is what happened. She, we found out her illness. She needed a heart transplant. And Tom was the guy on the stretcher being rushed into the OR to get his heart cut out and placed into her. And so the other this girl of- doesn't have a proper freak out. If I've been dating this person for a month now and I find out he's dead, she's dead, I would freak the heck out. We've all dated dead people. It's fine. Um, what I'm more concerned about is how overtly literal they made all of the references to George Michael. Also, having a Christmas movie and just George Michael slash Wham music is weird. I wanted to bring that up too. Like, it's weird. I like I like George Michael, but man, like it's a Christmas film. Put some Christmas music in there. I liked it. <laughs> 
I just, I, I, the, the, the lack of Christmas music was a, a big, the whole movie felt very, it felt more like a winter movie to me, honestly, than Christmas. That's a hundred percent. I a hundred percent agree. The only thing about Christmas in it is that she works at the Christmas store, right? Well, Does there it are take decorations. Place alerts. at Christmas? Yes. That's Christmas that celebration at the end. Remember, they had Christmas no. at the end. No, the no. celebration at the end is is her. I, I don't know, think her... we know that it's Christmas. I don't know that it takes place at Christmas. I can't remember <laughs> it actually having a date because all the date markers on the screen are like two months ago. Two weeks in the future and it's arbitrary numbers i don't know that this movie takes place at christmas well the, i think it's in the lead up to christmas they celebrate christmas as a family at the end well there are still christmas decorations up like on the house next to them sure could that have been and there are years? christmas decorations right but i don't know that it is actually on christmas i mean i guess it might be at the end with her family but it's not clear is it when they have lesbian pudding <laughs> <laughs> oh, Emma Thompson! I just <laughs> really, I really love like Thompson. I really want to incorporate lesbian pudding into my Christmas tradition moving forward. I think we should. <laughs> so, how do you? How do you? So, if you want to incorporate that, how do you do that without being very offensive? Oh, I don't know. Hey, you're a lesbian. Can you make pudding? <laughs> <laughs> so the twist totally derailed this movie for me. Well, not uh, twist, she did it. She didn't have twist. a. She didn't have a proper reaction. I don't think she would have remembered what this guy looked like on the stretcher and realized this is a guy. Who I don't think she heart. did remember. I think. Yeah, that was I just don't a think she for has. our purposes. That wasn't her memory because yeah. we saw her on the stretcher too. Right. I don't think she knew of Tom until Tom was in her brain. I got he was the, in her heart. I got the impression she did because they made a point of showing her looking at him in that flashback on the stretcher. Oh, I don't remember that. Mm-mm. Right either. E- either way, the twist bothered me. Your, so why do, why did the twist report. work for you, Julia? Well, okay, question number one. Did you see the twist coming? No. I went I knew blind. Not at all. Uh, I knew, I knew there was something was weird with him. Something right. was up, and the thing that I could not get past at all was the fact that she kept going to this homeless shelter. She asked about Tom. Nobody knew who Tom was. Right. But he supposedly worked. So I knew something was up. Uh, right. He never changes his clothes. Nope. He's less and less that. frequently in her life as the movie goes on. So as she becomes a better person, there is less of a need for Tom. So I, did I didn't like that he know. He criticized her eating junk food and ruining his heart, though. Well, yeah. <laughs> and then his that palpable reaction when he touches the scar, right? So I was either like, this guy's a ghost because he never changes his clothes. And he doesn't have a phone. He doesn't do modern technology. And he's all, you know, positivity, right? So I don't know. Is he a ghost? I'm not sure. Um, is her heart like his, you know, is it like a return to me thing, right? Where the heart in her body is his old, you know, lover's heart. I don't know. And like that heart means something to him. So what's up with the heart? So by the time it actually happened, I had almost pegged it, but I don't know if I would have pegged it if Tom hadn't opened his big mouth and said the ending is such a pivotal thing. So I don't know, but I knew something was up. So that's why it worked for me, I think. Maybe. I'm not sure. It could have gone a little darker. And when he touched your scar, you could have like reached in and pulled the heart out to take it back. Part of me was like, okay, does this have some sick, twisted ending? Did it start to feel like that when he was touching her? Christmas. I gave you my heart in the very next day. <laughs> you gave, gave it, it away. 
<laughs> that would have made this an Indiana infinitely Jones. better movie for me. Um, day stuff. I didn't know what was going to happen. But okay, so the reason why it worked for me is because aside from the, the thinking something was up anyway, is I was less focused on him and more focused on I liked how she changed throughout the movie because she starts as an absolute hot mess. And by the end of the movie, she's gotten to a place where she's not rudderless anymore. So when she was a kid, she had all this stuff. And then this thing happens. You can tell you fill the blanks in that as she got sicker and all of that stuff. And her mom is stressing over it and her whole family is turning inward towards her, which alienates her sister and all that stuff. She started to feel rudderless and she is rudderless at the beginning and bit by bit, she gets it back. And that's what I want in a Christmas movie. I want to see a redemptive story. And this was a highly redemptive story for me. And I like the interactions with her and Santa and the awkward little love story between Santa and that guy with the cabbages was like super weird. I found that so uncomfortable, that love story. It was so, it seems so forced, contrived and unrealistic that he would just come in there and stand and stare at her again. He felt murdery. He really did. It's, it's very Paul Feig guys. Yeah. This is not out of line know. with his I, I usually love Paul Feig. I'm one of the few people who like the Ghostbusters one. I loved Bridesmaids. I love most of his stuff. And I just did not like this. this I didn't felt find like it, it had the same with the rest of his stuff. And, and so I, can, I get what you're saying about the redemption. But the rest of the movie is just too depressing for me. It like, is. It is depressing. Like, but it doesn't. I'm, it's not. It, it's a less. The depressing goes down for me. Even when you find out Tom is a figment of her imagination. Which brings, me, which brings me to, I said this before, and I know it falls into this category, even though it's not officially it. I hate, 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 hate these love stories between ghosts and living people. (laughs) (laughs) And I knew the more I thought about it that Julie was probably going to like this one because she recommended the last ghost and living woman love story. Hot Ghost to Christmas. This is way better than Hot Ghost to Christmas, by the way. I really had high hopes for that ghost spoof commercial at the Super Bowl. Oh, yeah, I did too. But it let me down. Ghost the movie spoof? Yeah. Oh, who was in it? I didn't see that one. It was, it was a commercial that didn't really, it could have done so much better. But I do remember loving the time that Martha Stewart and Snoop Dogg reenacted Ghost. <laughs> well, that sounds that, that, Their friendship what? is the funniest what? thing to me. It is <laughs> amazing, Julia. Like, one of the best things oh, out there. Boy. They're, they're, you know, she just needed uh, to, you know, spend some time in the, in the, in the pen and uh, she came out and she wanted to be friends with Snoop Dogg. There you go. Tall takes. I think the other thing about this movie for me is this is not okay. So I had high hopes because it's Paul Feig, right? Mm-hmm. And I had high hopes because if you slap, if you put a movie at Christmas and it's actually a Christmas movie, that does something for me, like an upset a bit. You can let things get away. Things can get away with it a little more. You know, you know, problems yeah. slip under the radar a little more. But the music wasn't Christmassy. There are only so many times I could listen to Last Christmas amongst all the other <laughs> non-Christmassy George Michael songs. The cinematography was beautiful, but I didn't get a lot of Christmas feels from the cinematography. 
there were certain scenes and moments that did, but overall, I didn't. I, I don't know. I wanted, I really wanted to like this movie. But I, I did too, because I, like I said, I enjoy Emilia Clark. I like what she did with uh, Game of Thrones. I liked her in Tra- and, uh, Transformers, uh, Terminator, but she didn't do it here. And and the thing is, like, so if I saw this movie trailer and there was no Christmas element to it, and it was like a winter movie. I probably wouldn't have paid to see this movie. I probably would have waited till it was on Netflix to watch it. I feel misled. Oh, well, that was very Christmassy. It gave me the Christmas feels, even with the George Michael music. I I really liked it. I like. I mean, it it made me feel Christmassy. I would not have been disappointed if I watched this one in the theaters. I would have, been, or I would have been. I was disappointed watching it at home. I was sad too. I really wanted to like it wanted to believe <laughs> <laughs> i mean in the movie's defense i won't uh say it's near the worst thing we've ever covered like i know rolling oh, no. stone rolling stone wrote a review calling it incredibly shockingly monumentally bad the kind of bad that feels somewhere between finding a lump of coal in your stocking and discovering one painfully lodged in your rectum but uh dude that's but right I, that's, that's, I didn't find it that that's a little harsh that's right no that's awful so i will give credit to wham because they donated all of their royalties from last christmas to ethiopian famine relief oh for real wow nice it's like a real life um do they know it's christmas at all do they know it's christmas time <laughs> at all <laughs> And a tie-in book was released with the movie, written by Emma Thompson and her husband, with essays regarding the meaning of Christmas. And the book is called Last Christmas, Memories of Christmas's Past and Hopes for Future Ones. Hmm. The book oh. features contributions by Andy Serkis, Caitlin Moran, Ooh. Olivia Coleman, and Emily Watson. Oh, I love Emily Watson. I do too. Did you notice in some scenes too, by the way, Amelia Clark's dragon tattoos were visible? Uh-uh. Where she are they? Them. Are they on her arm? Yeah, she got them. Okay, I saw some on her arm. Game of Thrones. Yeah. Gotcha. It's interesting that Emma Thompson has such a... I mean, there's there's definitely um, a crowd of people who are different than, than we are when it comes to Christmas, but she's, like, very outspokenly atheist. And so her draw yeah. to Christmas and making a Christmas movie and book is interesting to me. Well, this is her second Christmas movie, too. Yeah. She didn't write the other one, though. No, that's true. I think that <laughs> she's been writing this one since 2010. I think I could have used a few more script polishes myself. But <laughs> Burn. That's a writer burn. Hashtag take, writer burn. Take that, Emma. Yeah, take, take that, that, Emma. Amazing gonna, Emma Thompson. Not going to ask you to star in my movie one day. <laughs> that's a lie. You can star in any role you want. That I write. <laughs> you know, if I, if I make a movie, I'm not going to be picky. I get some big names in there. <laughs> right? I'm, yeah. I'm golden. Exactly. <laughs> I did not like the line at the end where he's like, my heart was going to be yours no matter what. Oh, my God. I just hate how literal this film strong. was in general. Well, well, that says to me that she was just basically told, your soulmate is dead. You're going to die alone. And that's a little sad. Yeah, her love for him was different to me uh, she said that was supposed to be her heart either way so I, w- I will say when i saw this movie in theaters it had a great reaction when it was revealed and people realized yeah. that 
the lyric they took from the song that they based this whole movie around. You get with their gasps in the theater. There are audible like oh like like scoffs. Oh, your favorite. You mean a reaction more like yours? Like people agreed with you. Yeah, like you could almost like hear the eye rolls. Okay, my best movie theater. Yeah, that's what I was expecting. He would say, "My best movie theater reaction experience." was when I went to see Frozen 1 with Hannah and Ethan. Mm-hmm. And we're sitting there and we're watching it. And Anna is freezing. And what, what, what's the only thing that can save Anna's cold heart, right, is a kiss from Hans. And he leans in and then he says, what does he say? Like, you're not worth it or whatever. He this says, guy, if only somebody loved you. Yeah, That's right. He if says that. And there you. was this groan man on like one of the front rows and he goes what (laughs) and you could hear it in the entire theater it was like the best thing ever i think my favorite my personal favorite theater reaction is in captain america lifted up thor's hammer in endgame what did people do it was just like the amount of cheering and clapping at that moment oh they cheered and clapped that's amazing Mm mm-hmm I loved it when I went and saw episode one, right? So then the long hiatus and then the new Star Wars comes out. Everybody was dressed up, waiting in line for the theater. It was fantastic. And we get in there and then when Lucasfilm comes on screen, everybody started cheering and screaming and hooting and hollering. That's magical. The movie wasn't magical. I feel like that, ha- that happens like every Star Wars film. When, it, when the lights go dark and a long time ago and a galaxy far, far away comes up and the minute the fanfare starts, like the cheering. Yeah. Well, that was my only cheering experience with the fanfare. It's probably different in New York. A little more reserved in Oklahoma. Um, there were some definite funny quotes to me. I mean, besides the lesbian pudding, that was hilarious. But like the some of the scenes, so Emma Thompson and Amelia Clark when they're in the office talking to the doctor, and every time she asks the question, Amelia Clark answers one way and the mom answers the other way. It was so fast and snappy that it made me laugh. Like pretty much any scene that Emma Thompson is in absolutely cracks me up because I love Emma Thompson. She makes me laugh. And Emma and Amelia Clark had some really funny lines, especially with Santa, where they got real snarky back and forth. I liked Amelia Clark's line to Tom. What's your name in the show? Kate. I like Kate's Katarina's quote. Has anyone ever told you there's something serial killery about you? <laughs> <laughs> I also liked when Tom told Kate, uh, "You're the only person who can make being being sung to sleep sound like waterboarding." When she's talking about how her mom sings her to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. Does it pass the Linus test? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, please. You know, it does. Look at you begrudgingly. It, it totally it does. does. I will be begrudging. I bet I know one it of your does. quotes that you like, Julia. What? Where Santa tells Kate, this is my, or when she introduced kiss Kate and said, this is my little helper. I have nicknamed her Lazy the Elf because she appears never to work. <laughs> she could also be called Christmas Disappointment the Elf. <laughs> Her, call, yeah, that made me laugh. She could also be called Crushing Disappointment, the elf. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that made me laugh. It was snappy. It was very British comedy. It made me chuckle a lot. There were the, the lines in it were funny. My, mm-hmm. I don't have a problem with the lines in it. I have a problem with the character construct of Kate. I don't buy it. I don't buy the family. How there's all this fear 
about you know her sister coming out and then she comes out and it's immediately okay i don't buy i don't like the the making out with dead people thing i really wish they would have shown that you know like they showed all these moments where kate was by herself oh <laughs> like that they would have showed her <laughs> cuddling up like what was she leaning on when she was cuddled onto uh, him and when they uh, kissed well, they, like just they, see they, her they showed they showed uh. her ch- <laughs> Lord, stop it. <laughs> horrifying. <laughs> they did show her <laughs> when she thought he was blocking her to ch- changing on the street. That was funny. Yeah, she was, she just was changing. Yeah. Her changing didn't look like she was disrobing. She was just adding more layers. Like Mr. Yeah, Bean, how he too. can change into a Speedo without <laughs> going into a changing place. Have you seen him do that? See Mr. Bean do a lot of things. He did it in an episode of Mr. Bean, but he also did it when he was on David Letterman back in the 90s. I remember thinking it was the funniest thing I'd ever seen on television. (laughs) Mr. Bean is one of the funniest things I've ever seen on TV, that's for sure. Yeah. I love Rowan Atkinson. Me too. Just not as Voldemort. Oh my gosh, that would have been tragic. (laughs) Would have been a bad choice. So are we going to rank this? We shall. Shall we talk about our upcoming poll, Julia. That yeah, you let's do that. Why don't you talk about that? Well, and that'll give Anthony plenty of time to rank this film, right? Yes, definitely. I so I already have it. Oh. <laughs> is no, that the corona drinking, or is Anthony. that your <laughs> not while I'm drinking? <laughs> um so as listeners have heard in the past, I don't know, handful of episodes now, I am struggling with the ranking and i think we have listeners that are feeling the same way since we've covered this will be our 90th film well more than that because some films TVs are doubled up and, well plus right. some films are doubled up on the, well no yes 90, 90, 90 so yeah ballpark area we've covered 90 films um we've gotten to the splitting hairs part of ranking these on a number system um zero to ten so we've had listeners suggest maybe a better system would be good. Uh, We've chatted about it kind of off and on. Maybe number system isn't working for us. How do we change that? 90 movies in. Um, We've been fortunate enough to guest host on some friends podcasts as well that don't use a number system. They use a size system. So we need help. That's what she said. We need help. That'd be sad. No, a size size system. We need help from our listeners who are wiser and, you know, smarter than we are. So I think Tom's going to drum up a poll and see what y'all think about potentially changing the way we rank things. Keep the and give us your system. ideas. Yeah. How yeah, you size, would change number. it if you want us to change it. If you're fine with the number system, let us know. We know. Not all of us are in favor of changing this. Right. right. It's not unanimous. I not am unanimous. A, That's why we're going to you all. I'm allowed. I'm the most vocal person on this issue because it stresses me out. But but we it's been a we've had good conversations about it and uh, and we're always open to keeping things fresh. 140 something episodes in. Right. So good night, that many. How do we have 140 episodes in 90 movies? Are we counting movies, the bonus episodes, TV shows, bonus TVs, Patreon? Patreon, no, Patreon doesn't count toward the official count. Okay. I can't remember. Unless we in the feed. Yeah, that's a lot of episodes. Lot we of spend episodes. a lot of time together, y'all. Yeah, we do. 
And I love it. I do too. So much fun. All right, Anthony, I'm going to let you, I'm going to ask you, first of all, not let you, you're hosting. I'm going to ask you, first of all, you know what you're ranking this. What are you giving it? I am giving it a 2.5. Julia, how about you? I'm going to go with a 4.9. So I'm curious because I know you say a lot of these numbers at this point are arbitrary for you. Absolutely. Why so, why, so low the, why so low though if you like it? Like what, where did it lose points for you? Well, it loses points based on what I like and don't like as much on our list. Hence, the system is broken. <laughs> uh, because, I mean, I can't. So I'm looking at the list right now. And I gave Christmas at the Cranks. That was Christmas with the Cranks. The Crank Christmas, whatever. I gave it a 5.25. I would watch Christmas with the Cranks before I would watch this movie. So I can't right. put it higher than Christmas with the Cranks. On the other hand... I put Nightmare Before Christmas, which I like, but it's not a Christmas movie, at a five. Mm-hmm. And I like totally that movie, movie more, but it's not a Christmas movie. You see the agony? Do you see the agony in my face right now? I am frustrated. So, so that's why listeners, you can't, you can't see Julia's agony. She vocalizes the agony. My what, eyes are bugging out of my face. What you also don't hear 90% of the time, you hear Tom joking about it, but oftentimes we cut out 15 minutes of me going, oh, I did this. Uh, I don't know. I need to talk this through. Uh, what? Mm. And then eventually settle on a number. So I may not be as vocal on the show, but it does stress me out. <laughs> Tom, what did you give me? I'm giving it 3.25. That gives us an average of 3.55, which puts it at number 54 on our list. Between the Santa Claus Three and A Christmas Story Live, how did A Christmas Story oh, Live get that so was a high? Dog. Oh, Anthony, that's how I got so Maya high. Maya Rudolph. It's the only reason I would have ranked that high. We did get some feedback besides April Riley's comment, which I read, <laughs> which made me laugh out loud. Casey Carroll wrote on Twitter, "I really enjoyed this movie." Amelia Clark is so charming to me. Plus, Emma Thompson wrote it, and there's a companion book of sorts that could be interesting. Excited to see what y'all think, but I have a feeling Anthony and Tom won't like it. Spot on, Casey. Nailed it. <laughs> you nailed, nailed it so well. And do one of you want to read the comment we received on Facebook? Yeah, we heard from Kara or Kara. I'm not sure how you pronounce it. So forgive me for that. Um, Green, she said, I saw this movie on December 26th at our local second-run movie theater. Also my favorite place to see movies, so good choice. Uh, Went for two reasons. One, I really wanted to see it, and it was the last day. And two, December 26th would have been my dad's 94th birthday. And when we were growing up, he always took my sister and I to the movies on that day. I always try to keep up the tradition. We didn't have a sitter, so I ended up seeing the movie alone while my husband stayed home with our daughter. Imagine how shook, literally, I was shaking. I was when I found out that the name of the male main character was Tom, my dad's name, and the female main character was Kate, my daughter's name, especially with the twist at the end. Every once in a while, I feel my dad sending me a message from heaven, and this was definitely one of them. Just wanted to share that little story. Thanks for keeping the holiday spirit all year. That's an awesome story. That's an awesome story. I'm curious to see what other listeners think of this film and think of this twist. And where can they let us know, Tom? On the social medias. Go to tisthepodcast.com slash Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Facebook group, or Patreon. 
or Reddit. Julia, what's on Patreon for our listeners? Oh, there's lots of non-Christmas stuff on Patreon, kind of some random things, plus extended episodes of our Christmas episodes where we talk a lot. Um, we also have some new kind of singular content coming where maybe Tom and Anthony will chit chat over something for a while. Maybe just Tom will bring us some fun tidbits, historical Christmas stuff. Um, I think at some point all of us elves are going to do kind of a fireside chat kind of a recording where you can just hear from us one-on-one. So lots of fun stuff coming, stuff that we are excited about. Uh, So come join us there for a minimum of a dollar a month. You get access to all of the content and then at higher levels, you get extra perks like discounts in the store, stickers, stuff like that. So um, come see us. Yeah. We also have a store called store.tisapodcast.com. Check it out. So on our Facebook group, Joe DeVilla had this fun little Christmas game he posted today. Did you guys see that? Mm-hmm. No. So he basically just wanted to hear people's favorite Christmas preferences. So since neither of you answered, I'm going to ask the questions to you guys live here while we're recording. So favorite Christmas carol? Um, Holly and the Ivy. Holly and the Ivy. What defines a Christmas carol versus a Christmas song? Well, yeah, he said, I think Christmas Carol, the more traditional ones, favorite Christmas song. Yes, there's a difference, he puts, and he has a more... Okay, Uh, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Okay, mine was God Rest You, Merry Gentlemen, or Hark the Herald Angels Sing. So, favorite Christmas song, yes, there's a difference, as Jerry puts it. Last Christmas. I had so much fun with the Wham version, the Jimmy World version. They're just great. Here With Us by Joy Williams. Mine is obviously Christmas and Hollis. Half joking. <clears throat> I like to think it was Christmas. Happy Xmas. War is over. Simply having a wonderful Christmas time. Simply. And Little Drummer Boy slash Peace on Earth. The Tom Crow, Julia Colburn version. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was awesome. <laughs> uh, favorite Christmas movie? Elf. Elf. <laughs> Mine is the Santa Claus. Okay. Elf and Christmas Vacation are right there, though. I, uh, yeah, I'm with G.J. Davila on this one. He says depends on the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could yeah. do it depends mine, on the mine day. Can all, mine can jump around. Elf is pretty consistent, but... Mm-hmm. Those are my top around. three, depending on the day they can switch. Uh, favorite Christmas special? Peanuts. I'm going to agree with you there. And I never thought I would, but Charlie Brown Christmas, for sure. Yay. I think I gotta um, go with Jerry DeVille and agree with the Grinch. Grinch. Solid choice. Favorite Christmas food? Hmm. Reindeer chow. Which is like Muddy Buddies. But it's Christmas mm-hmm. time, you call it reindeer chow. My aunt called it puppy chow. Yeah, puppy chow. My mom did too. Outside of the Christmas season. But during the Christmas season, it's specifically reindeer. Yes, that's right. I like it, Julia. <laughs> What about you, That's Tom? It's a tough one for me. It's a tough one for me. What about you, Anthony? So my mother and grandmother always made these Italian stuffed artichokes for Christmas Eve. Ooh, that's awesome. Good. And dad makes his roast pork, which is also very good. So those mm. two. Show. I think Christmas is the only time I make grape leaves, stuffed grape leaves. Oh, yum. Those are good. Should have gone savory. Ham. No, nobody in my family will eat stuffed grape leaves. On my side, nobody in Christine's family, nobody will eat them. So when I make them, they're all just for me. They're all for you. Mm -hmm. That's like the best thing ever. Why can't everybody in the family hate what I like so much? I (laughs) I think 
I think I'm going to try to try to start uh, brainwashing Ellie into liking them this year. Yes, do that. <laughs> Favorite Christmas drink? Starbucks hot chocolate. Apple cider. Ooh, good one. Starbucks toasted white mocha. Mm. With the whipped cream and the red sprinkles. White chocolate is the devil's chocolate. <laughs> oh, I hate white chocolate. <laughs> it's so rich and sweet. It's so white. Too like it. much. <laughs> yeah. Can't. I don't know. I love that drink though. <laughs> Favorite Christmas flavor. I'm going with GJ Devilla on this one too. Peppermint. Candy cane peppermint. Absolutely. Yeah. That's My the devil's favorite. <laughs> That's the devil's what? Flavor. That's the devil's favorite. Oh. <laughs> What's yours, Anthony? I don't know because it's not peppermint. It's not gingerbread. I hate both of those. Do you like uh, orange? So, do you do the whole orange flavored stuff? I do, I'd like orange. I like chocolate orange. So sorry, you orange. Like what? Chocolate oranges. Those are big on Christmas. Orange. Orange. Uh, orange. <laughs> it's orange. <laughs> Orange. Say it. Say it like we say it. Say orange. I'm not a five year old who's just gonna repeat words you try. To orange. Do. No, I just I, I find the I find the uh, the the dialect uh, uh, dialect difference really intriguing here. What do you sound like? Orange. When you say or- orange. That's funny to me. Does orange sound what's funny the, to you when I say it? What's so, the dark yes. stuff in your car that you have to get changed from time to time? Oil. Oil. I, that's, I say oil, too. My dad goes, oil. Oil. There's no I in the middle. My mother-in-law, I don't know why. She's from Oklahoma, but she doesn't say Hawaii. She says Hawaii. 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 So orange would have to be it, but I also uh, vanilla and what's the other one? Cranberry. Vanilla is a very underrated Christmas flavor, but I agree with you. It is. My favorite. Cardamom also is a very underrated Christmas flavor. Very much so. Yeah. Throw a little bit of that in your apple cider. Oh yeah. Throw it on everything. Yeah. My favorite ice cream, which I'm gonna throw out here because I'm I'm deviating here, is Bluebell's peppermint ice cream. Oh. I haven't had Bluebell's. I've had Brahms and it's pretty wicked good. Brahms is okay. It's Wait. Good. Does Bluebell Blue have the bigger chunks of peppermint in it? And it's the yeah, red I and have green. had it. I think I got it because you said it was so good and it was oh, it's my favorite. What's your favorite Christmas ice cream or Christmas frozen dessert? I don't have a lot of Christmas frozen desserts. Yasso does frozen um, Greek yogurt. Oh, the sugar cookie one is really good. They had sugar cookie this year. They had like pumpkin. They had peppermint. What's your favorite Christmas dessert in general, Julia? That's the next question. Uh, My mom makes this chocolate. I just call it the Christmas candy because she makes it at Christmas time all the time. And it's like chocolate and a little bit of butterscotches in it and peanuts and raisins. And it's it reminds me of being a kid. So that's probably it. Mine is sugar cookies. Rice Krispie treats. Oh, Rice Krispie treats. Only time I Ever eat Ever made them, them with fruity pebbles? I have. <gasps> and I made them with the Christmas fruity pebbles, the red and green ones. Ooh, very festive. Favorite Christmas gift. Okay. I'm also going <laughs> to... G.J. Davila's. I got, I got Shearer's Castle for Christmas one year, and he put Castle Grayskull on his, and it reminded me that I got Shearer's Castle for Christmas, not my birthday. Uh, we must say, speaking of He-Man, did you guys see Mark Hamill's doing the voice of Skeletor on the new series I on did. Netflix? Oh, awesome. interesting. What about you, Tom? Is yours a bike? I feel like we talked about this before. 
I did have a bike as a kid that was pretty good, but last year when my favorite my favorite gift of all times, I think, is when Ellie gave me Candyland. Oh. She picked That's it out sweet. and said she wanted to give it to me because Daddy loves games and he loves playing games with me. You're like, all oh, that's true. It is. Just the confidence she has that this is something we do together. And she picked it out so we could do something. Oh, okay. I'm mm-hmm. cry. Good job, Dad. Weepy Dad. <laughs> <laughs> Mine was the Jurassic Park compound I got as a kid with all the vehicles yes! and dinosaurs. And I remember that story. Action figures. But I also nice. loved all the Batman the Animated Series stuff I got too. Mm-hmm. Favorite Christmas tradition? Mine is our time we like at home with just my family decorating the tree and putting out our nativities and stuff. It's just, just going through and picking out the ornaments and all of the memories that are associated with ornaments and sharing that and talking about it. Um, and then lighting up the tree when we're all done. It's just magical. Mm-hmm. So mine would be a bit of a tie. I, we've just recently started doing like the advent thing as a family and really trying to hit the days, even though last year we did terrible. Um, so that one I really enjoy. And I like, we serve at church on the days leading up to Christmas as a family. And that's always fun too. Mine is um, just a whole building. I anticipation between Thanksgiving and Christmas because the anticipation is the best part for me. It's also like Christmas Eve mass every year and then waking up at like 5 30 6 a.m every morning like a overgrown child to open gifts <laughs> and the last minute rush that we have now on the podcast to get bonus content in the week leading up to christmas that's become yeah, a nice little tradition for the three of us <laughs> favorite christmas memory last christmas last year i came home from liturgy and earlier than i had before I was able to go to bed earlier than I had before. So I was more rested up last year than the previous year. That's always helpful. What about you, Julia? Um, I think favorite Christmas memory is Christmas morning. Cause like any Christmas morning, so it's not just a singular one, but taking a picture of the kids on the top of the stairs and then coming down the stairs and the present thing, but then like making breakfast special and all of that is just kind of the pinnacle of the season for me. Mine were Christmas Eve at my great aunt's house with mom's side of the family just lots of food and drinks and presents flying through the air because it was so crowded it was just chaotic and it was awesome it's <laughs> awesome man and the last one favorite christmas smell mine are freshly cut christmas trees even though i don't get one myself i was gonna say i think our <laughs> i think our musty artificial tree coming out of its box is probably my favorite christmas smell because it's only one thing that smells like that and it's christmas I think it's a tie between fresh cut Christmas trees, peppermint in general, peppermint candy cane smell, or um, warm apple spice, like the spice cider smell. Mm. Ooh, or ham baking. So I want to know what our listeners' answers to all those questions are. So take to any one of the social media channels that Tom had mentioned before and let us know. We also want to know what you think of the next two weeks worth of movies we have coming up. We're traveling back to the land of Netflix originals. Next week, we're covering 2019's animated film, Klaus. And the week after, we are covering 2019's Let It Snow. So do your homework and watch those guys. And we have some news for you. It is only 7,000 176 hours to Christmas. That 
is only 299 days. Which is only 42 weeks. We're almost in the 30s, guys. This year's yeah. flying. It is flying by. All right, gang, do your homework. Do your homework. Watch some shows. Respond to us on social media and tell us all of your favorite things. And we and will don't re-gift back. any Next hearts week. that anybody may give you. It'd be very complicated. <laughs> Bye, oh, by the way, we weren't recording this whole time. Oh, that's a can't. joke, right? I saw yes. it, but that's a joke. Could have done. We could have done Brady Bunch. Dun, it's, dun, a dun, dun. it's a story of a podcast groupie. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> you gotta work on that. Make sure that makes the outtakes at the end, Anthony. Please. <laughs> we should rewrite that to work for us. We should. That would be really funny. Have a man named Anthony who is busy with two opinions of his own. Because he never knows how he's going to rank it until we get to the end. Then we look at the rankings and it takes 15 minutes to decide if we hate it more than Tom. That means he gets a higher score. But I don't know where to go from here because it's time to rank it. (laughs) And I don't know how I feel about this.